for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. To quote the priest in the wedding scene at the end of the cinematic treasure that is Spaceballs. We're going to do the short, short version today. <laughs> Uh, I've got two words to blame for the short, short version today as uh, Zim and I have found the only window all week we can cram in a half-hour podcast. Goat shit. Goat shit is what uh, kept me from being here maybe a little bit 15 or 30 minutes earlier. All things. 49, but goat counting. Yeah, goat shit. Uh, had to do the uh, old... Old TV early morning shift today. Be the early morning news reporter and uh, do a story from a uh, pumpkin patch in Parker, South Dakota, where at one point, actually at, toward the very end of it, after three hours out there, the very last thing we shot, uh, I was feeding goats and uh, they were crawling up my legs. And of course, they had been walking around in their own shit all morning. So had to go home, change pants, all that. But it's good to be here. Let, let's let's just do it. The Jackrabbit offense did a nice, fast, efficient victory today uh how about that trip to springfield did it make you wish you went um i mean i always wish i was at the game when i'm not for reasons that are beyond my control but um you know i had a fun weekend in the cities and the vikings game was awesome but uh yeah i was following along on saturday and um was expecting it to be a, a good game and it sounds like it was i mean it obviously wasn't a epic down to the wire kind of thing um but it was, you know, there was a lot of hype for that game, mostly coming from the Missouri State side. Biggest game in team history and going to be a sellout crowd. And, you know, the city of Springfield is rallying around Missouri State. And, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting because, um, you know, SDSU has their own history of, of you know, at, at times choking in big games or whatever. But I had a pretty good feeling about their chances in this one because I got a sense that they very much were like, Oh, this is the biggest game in your program's history, huh? How nice for you. Like, we've been through this, you know, three times a year for the last however many years. And, you know, they play North Dakota State every year. They play South Dakota every year. They have all these big games. And it was easy to get a sense that maybe the Missouri State side of it, there was a little bit too much hype and that maybe that was going to work against them. The closer we got to kickoff, the more I felt like SDSU was going to win. Um, not the least of which is because we've seen over and over again teams coming off a matchup with an FBS team and they have that big, you know, down to the wire or near upset or upset or whatever. There's very often a hangover or letdown of some kind coming off those games. So while Missouri State was kind of taking, geez, you know, we almost beat Arkansas on the road. So South Dakota State at home, that should, you know, seem easy compared to Arkansas. Just, you know, that's, that's not how it ever works out. And, um, you know, the only question in my mind was, you know, geez, is, is SDSU's offense going to finally get going enough to, to outscore Jason Shelley in that offense? And as it turned out, you know, if it weren't for a few missed field goals and mistakes, that game would have been a blowout. I mean, it was 28-14 and probably should have been 41-14 to or something like that. I mean, it was total domination on the Jacks' part. We know that they have a history of playing, frankly, better on the road than they do at home. That's another thing to take into consideration here. And they did it again. I mean, you have to give John Stiglmeyer and his team a lot of credit. They're pretty good at games like this where they got to go on the road in what's supposed to be some hostile environment, all the hype, whatever. They just went up there and took care of business and won that game. Didn't do it in a flashy way. Didn't talk a lot. Missouri State was talking before the game. They were still talking after the game. 
you know, there were some comments about they're not even that good. We beat ourselves. It's like you got outgained by 250 yards and your all-everything quarterback didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> to say that that was, you know, oh, we lost because of our own mistakes and the Jacks aren't that good, I mean, that tells me that Missouri State isn't a very mature football team. Hey, you took the words right out of my mouth. And that they're not ready to be at that level. So good for the Jacks, huge win for them. Normally you would say maybe that uh, that means – you know, they're in line for a letdown, but they got Western Illinois coming in this week, and the Leathernecks just aren't ready yet. You know, they're rebuilding, and they're, they're a long ways away from being built. So I think this is going to be an easy win for the Jacks, and then that takes them right into, you know, the USD NDSU back-to-back. So does Missouri State look anything close to a top-five team? It's hard to say. I mean, the talent's obviously there, but also they're a team that, you know, they got a great coach in Bobby Petrino, you know, his – track record speaks for himself whatever you think of the guy so he knows what he's doing and I'm talking just about just like schematically and stuff he's a you know a very good football coach also he's brought a lot of talent in there but it looks like you know most of that talent skill positions a great quarterback obviously some good receivers and some other players but uh, the Jacks kicked their ass on the line of scrimmage and that was something that wasn't a big surprise Missouri State's offensive line had been a question mark going into the game um, and so again I think that one of the reasons you have to like the Jacks performance so much is they didn't do it, like I said, it wasn't flashy. It wasn't a lot of trick plays or, you know, doing anything crazy. It was just going out there and, you know, getting behind their pads and pushing the other team around. Yeah, because I say that because we have rankings and we love rankings because it's that makes it fun at, at all levels except for the pros where I guess we now have power rankings. But still, when you see the billing of a football game, it's partly because it's the NFL. There's only 32 teams. You don't need to say, hey, it's the fifth-ranked Vikings against the right. eighth-ranked Packers in right. the power rankings. Right. Right. You know, right. it's a, no one ever. I mean, people love to use them and argue over them, but it's never welcome to the Purple Palace today, where the second-ranked Packers are in town. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, but we love it in both college and high school football, partly because that's what we can call these games, even though we don't. And early in the season, the rankings should mean less, of course. But for what it's worth, Missouri State got the ranking at the beginning of the season that they did. South Dakota State almost always is going to get a top five ranking the last several years. And so we could we could call it that, and it's a big road test. It was clearly taken seriously by everyone. You said before the season started, I mean, that's going to be a tough one in Springfield. But then you get there and you see it for your own eyes. You see it against not only a South Dakota State team without Tucker Craft, but a few other dudes were out this game. Mm-hmm. And still it was a fairly convincing win. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how good Missouri State is or was. Well, but we've said before, I mean, the line is so big between, you know, we've always said North Dakota State is clearly at the top, at least traditionally. They're number one right now. They still deserve to be. You know, whether it's South Dakota State or Montana or Montana State or in the past it's been James Madison, Sam Houston, some teams that have since left. To say that, oh, we're ranked number nine or we're ranked number 18, I mean, that doesn't mean a whole lot in the FCS. The difference between those top and – and it's only gotten – that gap has only gotten wider as all those teams have moved up to the FBS level. Right now, you know, the gap between number one NDSU, number two, three, Montana, South Dakota State – and even the number six, seven, eight, nine teams is probably a pretty significant gap. And we just saw that perhaps the gap between number three and number four, South Dakota State, Missouri State, was bigger than we thought. I don't, I'm not writing off Missouri State, um, but I think based on what we saw this week, you know, they're probably not one of the three or four best teams in the country and not ready yet uh, to compete for national championship. Now, 
you know, this could be the kind of loss that, you know, they lick their wounds and figure out what's wrong. We could still see them in December. I don't sure. know. Um, but as of right now, we saw which team is, is more deserving of being up in that echelon. And yet, because we have these rankings, South Dakota State can still say, hey, we got a top five win on it's our a huge resume. Win. Yeah, it's a huge win. Absolutely. And so... Plus, we're looking for an offense, again, without Tucker Kraft, and that when he's healthy, that opens all the doors, obviously. It makes everybody else uh, a bigger threat in the offense because that's just more people you have to pay attention to, more holes in the dam to plug. And at the same time, they could have been a lot better and more explosive than they were without him for those first three games. And we had... At, we had pounded in the fact that I think their biggest play from scrimmage before the Butler game was 20 yards in one play against Iowa. Their longest play against Davis was uh, 17, only had 250 total yards in that game. So uh, it wasn't flashy, as you said, but what kind of leaps does it appear the offense has made? It looked like, you know, they had been telling us for a couple of weeks, we're so close, you know. It's just one little thing here and there. I mean, it looks like they finally took that step. Uh, to give the SDSU offense some credit here, where we haven't so far, and as much as the numbers weren't very good those first couple games, and even the third game when the numbers were better, it was like, well, it's Butler, Butler. or whatever. You know, They have gotten better each game. They were better week two than they were in week one. They were better week three than they were week two. And now come out week four here against Missouri State, they were outstanding. Mark Gronowski not only played his best game of the year, he might have played his best game as a Jackrabbit. Mm. He was outstanding. Wow. Isaiah Davis still didn't break one, but he had another very solid game where he continually got chunks of yards and finished with like 88 yards on 20 carries or something. And uh, I thought one of the biggest developments was Zach Hines, the other tight end, having a huge game. I don't want to say that Zach Hines has been disappointing so far in his career. He's not. He's a great player. And he's also playing, you know, had to share time with Tucker Craft. But I've been waiting for a game like this from Zach Hines. I think he's the best wide receiver I covered in high school in South Dakota. And I said wide receiver. I know he's, he's a tight end in college, and he was technically called a tight end in high school. But he essentially played wide receiver for Washington with Chad Statham. And he was unstoppable. Yep. I mean, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, whether he was going over the middle, where he was running fly patterns, fades, whatever. Like, you just couldn't cover him. And I said, man, this guy's going to go to SDSU and just tear it up. He's going to be the next Dallas Goddard. I still think he's that good. It's just that <laughs> Tucker Craft is also the next Dallas Goddard. He's that good. So when Tucker Craft went down, my first thought is, okay, it's Zach Hines' time. And it just hadn't clicked so far. Some of that was on Mark Gronowski. There were a couple times Zach was wide open and he missed him. Some of it is just, I think, Zach Lujan trying to figure out what he's doing because, again, they had to kind of rejigger that offense a little bit when Tucker went down. Well, this was kind of the breakout performance we've been waiting for for Zach Hines. He had seven catches for 127 yards. That's that's not just a good – that's a big, big, big game, and that's the kind of game he's always been capable of. So now whenever Tucker Craft does come back, you're like, okay, the Yankee boys both had, I think, 100 yards receiving and touchdowns in this game. Hines had that big game. Then you're bringing back Tucker Craft. I mean, that's – that's why we kept hearing at the start of the season, this might be the most talented, dangerous offense that Jacks have ever had. And for some of those weapons to finally put up a game like that, I think is huge for them. And now, you know, they're going to get another chance to, you know, build momentum, confidence, whatever, this week against Western Illinois. Because like I said, Western's just, they're just not there yet. They're, they're a rebuilding team that's coming into the Dana to get their ass kicked. And that's going to be another chance for SDSU to keep improving as they've done week after week after week. Yeah, do a little bit more of, of what they know they can do. Forgive me if you've mentioned this. When is Tucker Kraft coming back? Do we know? He aims to be back by the North Dakota State game. Which is? I believe is three weeks from now. Okay. Because I think they go Western Illinois, then USD, yes. then NDSU. Okay. Um, that's just what he told me. That doesn't mean fans should pencil him in to be ready that game. But I think that would be something like six weeks from the injury. 
and they said the timeline was six to eight. Yeah. So they'd be on the front end of it. But um, he said to me, he's like, I'm amazing. I heal quicker than most people. You know, I'm 21 years old. I'm in great shape. I'm going to be ready. And if you know Tucker Craft, that's that's just sort of the way he, he talks, the way he operates. He's a hoss. Yeah. Um, but I, I certainly wouldn't put it past him. I, I think if he says he's going to be ready to go, he's going to be ready to go. Uh, we'll see. You know, other guys have said that in the past. And I also think, I also know it's not going to be up to Tucker Craft. You know, if the, the Jacks are not going to say, okay, we need this game so bad, let's give it a shot and put Tucker in there even if he's only 75% or whatever. If he's not ready to go, they're not going to push it. But he could be back by that game, and obviously that's the one they want him back for. And obviously that game means a lot, but this still isn't like the FBS where – Every regular season game is so monumental that you might get knocked out of a playoff picture if you lose one game. I mean, the Jacks have had some big regular season wins over NDSU in years where NDSU goes on to win the national title. So uh, having said that. Last year, Isaiah Davis ended up being out longer than we thought he was going to be. Remember, he got hurt early in the season, and everyone's kind of going, oh, maybe four to six weeks. Eh, maybe six. I think he ended up missing ten weeks or something. You know, and, and I'm not criticizing Isaiah Davis. I'm complimenting SDSU staff for saying, like, hey, we're not going to risk somebody's health just because, oh, this is a really important game. You need to come back. Then I'm going to bring him back until you're ready to go. What about some of the other guys who missed action? Um, we'll get a better update maybe this week, but um, you know, some of the guys, Isaiah Stalberg, linebacker, safety hybrid. I heard he's a maybe. Uh, Landon Wolf, wide receiver, who's always hurt. I've heard he's a maybe, um, but think about it. You're playing Western Illinois at home. Why? Why would mm-hmm. you? Why would you bring yeah. any of these guys back for that game? Uh, any Any revelations uh, or interesting things said by Stig today at his weekly presser? No, nah, not really. Okay, you know, we didn't have a, a whole lot for him, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> okay. okay, big it's win. Western we Illinois. You're gonna, yeah, it's Western Illinois. Week. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, how much did you see and what did you make of North Dakota State's uh, eventual charging out of the Dakota Dome 34-17 in a game that was a game for yeah. a little while. Um, you know, credit to NDSU for becoming NDSU in the second half of that game. You know, I'm sure USD felt really good about themselves at halftime, and they should have. But I think NDSU said, all right, you know, that wasn't a good half for us. It's time for us to go out in the second half and do what we do and just grind it and wear these guys down and take over the football game, control the clock, stop them in defense, and, and that's exactly what they did. Um, I do think I know I talked to a couple sources from North Dakota that said just what we alluded to earlier. They were coming off the Arizona game. They think there was a little bit of that residual letdown, hangover, whatever you want to call it. But NDSU comes off a very physical, difficult game against Arizona. They had to travel all the way out there, come all the way back, and probably got a little bit beat up in that game, just like you usually do. Yeah. Then you're going to a USD team that typically doesn't give you too much trouble. So you come out in the first yeah. half. And, and I'm not trying to take credit away from USD. They played really well in that first half. And I think we're seeing over the last seven, eight, nine quarters that USD is finally starting to get their feet underneath them a little bit. Having said that, I do think NDSU was going through a little bit of that. They got it together at halftime, pulled away for the win. It was a win they needed. But I think USD can take some positives away from that too because I think, frankly, most of their own fans, I think, were expecting them to lose 51-10, to 10, and they were <laughs> in it for two and a half quarters. Yeah, so I was spending uh, – all of my Saturday, all of my, almost sun up to sundown on a golf course. We had a Ryder Cup style Lennox oh, yeah, versus Freeman thing, and so you know, I'm so I'm playing with some guys uh, all ages across the board for over the course of uh, eight hours on a golf course, and uh, one of them was a USD fan, and I said, "Well, 
have you been checking the score? And he said, it's NDSU. I don't need to check the score. I don't need to do this to myself. You know, <laughs> I am happy to be out on a golf course, and I'm glad I'm here and not there. Uh, but this, the way the game unfolded where USD turns over North Dakota State three times in the first half at one point had a touchdown lead, and then zero points uh, on the wrong end of a 24-0 run, zero second half points, 88 yards total in the second half, nine total in the third quarter. It reminds me of you know, Curtis Riggs and I last year did a podcast from here at the Gateway, usually on Monday night, and, so, and usually when a Monday night football game is going on, and I just remember one game where it was you know, probably like a 14-point spread type of game. It was supposed to be a blowout, and in the first half, the underdog had a three-point lead at halftime, and they're like, oh, here we go. Uh-huh. And you know, Curtis has been through a few of these rodeos as the coach of the Sioux Falls Storm, which blows, blew out most of its opponents. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yeah, it's a half. I, right. Like reality usually sets in by yeah. mid-third quarter, late third quarter. It usually doesn't keep on going. So, yeah, and that's, again, nothing to take away from USD. I mean, I, remember, I was there uh, four or five years ago when it was it was something like 56 to 17. I mean, it was just a cakewalk. Bison and their fans took up half the Dakota Dome, and it was it was embarrassing. You know, it was sad. And that was two years after the big upset of Joe Glenn's squad up in the Fargo Dome. So, I mean, there's progress. And, I mean, USD's been the same conversation since the start of the season. It's going to be a rough road. Now they're one and three. And, and they get the Jacks next. They have a bye okay, this they week. Have a bi- they well, at least they have a bye before they play the Jacks. I mean, mm-hmm. that's nice. Um, but There's no reason to think USD can't beat the Jacks because they beat them twice in a row. Yeah. And each of those last two times, the Jacks were the better football team. And USD beat them both times. So just because SDSU may be the better team this year, well, okay, you were the last two times too. Each of those times in the Dakota Dome. That's, so That's obviously uh, the caveat. So we'll, but we'll spend uh, a good chunk of our time next week previewing the big the big state versus you game here at the Gateway Lounge. Uh, all right, tell me about your time, your family time up in the Twin Cities and Arthur's first Vikings game. Um, we walked into U.S. Bank Stadium, and it was really cool to see Arthur's reaction to the um the the, uh, the marvel that is US Bank Stadium just how gigantic it is and the glass and the purple and the green and the everything. I mean he just was like how is this even a real place yeah. you know that was really really amazing to him once the game started though it was too loud for him like he was he didn't like how loud it was he kept covering his ears and complaining he's like why are people screaming so much <laughs> and, um, which is, I mean, to be fair, to, like he just has sensitive ears. Like when, when the first few times I was with him without his mom, like I would take him into a public bathroom and he would cover his ears when someone would flush the toilet. You know, like he's just got sensitive ears. So that was kind of me and his mom's fault for not thinking about that and maybe bringing him some headphones or something like that. You know, but but he still had a good time. I mean, the guy who uh, gave us the tickets, my friend Kyle. Thank you, by the way, Kyle, for, for doing that. We had Where a great were these time. tickets, by the way? They were uh, in the lower section of the field, like 20, 28 rows up off the field. Aren't in you the fancy? End zone. Um, his family was sitting in front of us, and you know we got to know them a little bit, and they were very friendly and fist bumping Arthur after every touchdown and big play. And we were in the section where before the game they have that skull banner, you know, that they roll mm-hmm. up the end zone. So Arthur got to touch that. We got to Ooh. push that up. That was very cool. It was funny. Jen, I think, had the most fun of anybody. I mean, she was screaming through the whole game and cursing at the refs and throwing stuff. And I've frankly never seen her that animated at a sporting event before. Um, I was kind of surprised, um, but she really got into it, and uh, and it was a great game. You know, yeah. that was the other thing. I mean, yeah. got, got off to a bad start, 14-0, and uh, 
Jen was saying, like, what is going on? And I told her, I said, if the Vikings can answer right here with a score, I think we're okay. And, and, then that, and then they did. So they scored to make it 14-7. It's like, all right, you know, it's essentially 2-1. to one. We're fine. Um, but then obviously in the fourth quarter when it got to be 24-14 again, it kind of looked like this is over. And when the Lions got that stop right after the two-minute warning, I said to Jen, I was like, we can probably go. Like, this is, this is over. And uh, she was like, all right. And we were going to – and then I don't remember what – if it was the missed field goal or when the Lions went – should have gone forward and fourth down. Something was like, no, okay, they, there's still a chance. They don't have any timeouts left, but there's a chance. When he missed the field goal, their field position was so good. That's what it was. I was like, they only have to go 50 yards, you know, in a, in a minute. Even without a timeout, that's doable. Let's stay. And then, you know, yeah. the rest is history. I so mean, it to took even, it took like three plays. It, yeah. was, it was way too yeah. easy. And the funny thing is, you know, I've been watching the Vikings play the Lions for 30 years. And we all know the Vikings beat them about 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I became even more cognizant of it over the years, you know, when I became friends and coworkers with Stu Whitney, big Lions fan. And then I dated a Lions fan for 10 years. And it, it almost got to the point where you sort of felt sorry for him a little bit and often felt a little guilty about how the Vikings would win some of those matchups. You know, I remember one in the Mike Tice era where uh, the Vikings had a seven-point lead late and the Lions scored a touchdown. It's like, oh, we're going to go to overtime. And then the extra point, like, hit the long snapper in the ass or something. I mean, it, was, well, it wasn't even – it was like, just come on. <laughs> this is pathetic. Like, yeah. just we're not even trying that hard and we're beating you, you know. Just, and so as this game is going on, even when it was 24-14, I kept thinking to myself – when are the Lions just going to be the Lions? You know, it's, I'm not confident in the Vikings' ability to come back. I'm confident in the Lions' ability to blow this game. Yes. And when they did, I was certainly happy. I mean, I happened to be sitting in a seat where I saw K.J. Osborne break open probably at the same moment Kirk Cousins did. So I started screaming before anyone else in our section even did. So I was like, oh, my God, there's the winning touchdown. And there it was. But other than that brief moment of, oh, oh, there it is, touchdown. Like as soon as he caught it, and it, I was like, I'm happy, but also Jesus, Lions. Jesus. When is this ever yeah. going to stop? And if that's you, the Vikings exactly. fan, thinking Exactly. Imagine that, what a Lions fan is Well, imagine thinking. Stu Whitney. He who, was there, too. I didn't got, see I know. him, but I know he was there. Yeah, he got his tickets from Jackson here at the Gateway Lounge. Oh, okay. and, uh, that's, and I'm probably going to sit in the same seat Stu did when I, when I go up there with Gilbert and a couple friends in November for the Cowboys game. And, uh, I mean, Stu's a fun follow on Twitter because I, he, he loves He was pretty to, quiet, I noticed. Was he really? Oh, yeah. well, for a, even even when they were racking it up early, I thought I saw He had a his usual too easy Too easy, tweet, yeah. But that's become, I think, almost more of a gag it's, than an yeah, actual. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's a gag. It's a, a troll. It's, uh, all, you know, it's bait yeah. for people who don't like Stu. Uh, it, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it is the Lions. Bud Grant was 26-8-1 against the Lions. They essentially helped make him a Hall of Famer. And Mike Tice, Brad Childress, Mike Tice Denny was Green. Mike 8-0 against them. 8-0. Uh, he would have been like 10 games under 500 without it. Brad Childress and Mike Zimmer were way up there. So was Denny Green. I mean, he they kept Mike Tice and Brad Childress employed to a degree. Yeah. Uh, and uh, same for Mike Zimmer. And, I mean, you look at the history of the Vikings, so many of their teams – or one, two, three games over 500 wild card teams barely making or missing the playoffs, and almost every year it's two and zero oh, uh, against the Lions that helped them yeah. get there yeah. and uh, probably keep coaches employed. And also Kirk Cousins, who's now eight and one against the Lions, and I think he had two interceptions in that game. That matches how many interceptions he had all time as a Viking against the Lions in eight games. He only threw two picks, uh, and of course. 
I, it's the whole Vikings versus Lions thing. The other thing I could think of is the 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 rubes, the Viking sycophants that are go, that that are the Kirk crazies. If he still, ha I think he still has some yeah. that go. Here's here's there, there's a clutch Kirk cousin. No, it's not. not really, he no. is he's Mr. Noon. He, well, he he's <laughs> he can't play in pre. He's not ready for prime time, but he's great in these Dune games. And he, uh, and he let me let me tell yeah. you one of the things I noticed the most being in the stadium, because it's been a few years since I've been to a Vikings game. Mm -hmm. um, Kirk Cousins is their current quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. You know, It's not like he's some Case Keenum scrap heap guy. He, they yeah. signed him to a major contract. He's a franchise guy. Say what you want about him. He throws for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns Absolutely. every year. I saw, I would guess, at least – twice as many Brett Favre Vikings jerseys as Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Let's think about this for a minute. Kirk Cousins is their current quarterback, and he doesn't suck. Right. He's pretty good. Yeah. Brett Favre is a Packers legend, our arch rival. He was the, with the Vikings for two years, a decade ago, and it ended miserably. He had one good year that ended with an epic interception, maybe the worst play in Vikings history. Then he came back for a second year, which was, was a shit show from front to back, just terrible. Retired, you know, disappeared from off the face of the earth. And now, in this very moment, is back in the news for being a horrible human being and yes. apparently, like, stealing money to try and fund a volleyball gym for his but daughter. He, he didn't know it was from welfare, though. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, factor, put all those things into the blender and Vikings fans are still, by at least a two-to-one ratio, rocking the Favre jersey over yeah. the Cousins jersey yeah. at U.S. Bank Stadium. And, and that's an awesome point. That was a thrilling two minutes. i got to ask you, if you think these people, though, uh, the only thing that's going through my head, because you nailed it on the back end of that, of what Brett Favre is going through and what he is right now, uh, to, to us people who uh, are following the news and current events and uh, what some people would call woke, uh, do you think these people wearing the Favre jerseys, you, know, you can't always judge a book by its cover, how many of them do you think, A, even know Brett Favre's going through the scandal of potentially stealing welfare money from the poorest people on earth in Mississippi, and or B, or, or B, care, in, um, fact, in fact, might even celebrate it? Yeah, that's getting okay. Ugly. Okay, 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 that. okay. I, um, I retract that. I mean, I don't know if I care about it all that much. Just, I mean, oh, another person who's shitty. What's what a surprise. Yeah. Um, I I have a Brett Favre Vikings jersey. I haven't yeah. worn it since 2010 or whatever yeah. year it was. You know, and I'll never wear it again. Because at the time when I bought it, I was like, this is cool because this will just piss off Vikings or Packers fans forever. He had this great season. Yes. And I I bought it during that season when they were making that run. I didn't necessarily expect him to win the Super Bowl. But they swept the Packers that year. That was fun. And I was like, hey, cool. Brett Favre's playing for the Vikings, and he's having an amazing year. But then when he came back for that second year and it, it went so badly, I was I was kind of like, well, I'm never wearing this again for the rest of my life. Okay. And I never have. Wow. I mean, it was an awesome year. And I remember Craig Maddock and I would do these segments, like who's the greatest quarterback in Vikings history? Second greatest, because Tarkenton's number one. Mm -hmm. But who's the second greatest? And it, it was always a fun debate. You know, you had your Randall Cunninghams. And there haven't been too many franchise guys. Tommy Kramer. There's been a lot of, like, one one. Trick Tony's, yeah, Johnson, were, uh, all yeah. these, all these kind of pop-ups, mm -hmm. and uh, Brett Favre, you know, that was always that some people wanted to argue. Ooh, you only had one good year. So what? That it was, was a great what? One. Yeah. okay. So I know you got to go. I want, but I want to quickly empty the observation notebook of other uh, humanity that you saw. It's always great people watching, going to these things. Seventy thousand of them. Well, it's funny how we, I mentioned last week how. I hadn't really thought of the potential of something terrible happening until you brought it up at the podcast last week. Like, there could be drunk idiots around here. And I was kind of like, oh, shit, I didn't even think of that. We got very lucky. 
There was nothing to speak of. We were everyone in our section was cool. Arthur had a great time. Jen had a great time. There wasn't so much as a you know someone cursing too loudly. I mean, it, you good. If we were in the family non non alcoholic section, you wouldn't have known the difference. Noon game against the Lions. Yeah, that's. <laughs> by the way, Jen sent. Uh, you know, I, I I had that tweet about Kirk Cousins, Mister Noon, and by the way, not only doing this against the same old Lions, but against the worst defense in the NFL, which the Lions were coming into the game, and then Jen sent back a a, a response that said Arthur saw Matt looking at a meme of Cousins with his helmet on backwards after last week's game and needed it explained. Cut to today after the score. After they score the first time, looks like he put his helmet on the right way today. Good thing, is what Arthur said. <laughs> Kid has no idea how funny he is. I still don't get it. I don't get any of that. I sh I, after they got killed by the Eagles, yeah. one of my friends sent me a, a, a doctored photo of Kirk Cousins okay. posing, and yeah. his helmet's on backwards in the photo. Okay. Like, to explain how shitty he played against the Eagles. <laughs> and okay. I showed it to Arthur, and he was like, ha, ah, that's funny. And then when they had the touchdown earlier, he said to Jen, like, oh, he must have put his helmet on straight. And the other th and the other th got it. No, I got it. And the the other thing that Jen sent was this pic of Arthur that obviously I, I'll probably have to it looks show. Looks like he's 13 in that picture, doesn't uh, he? He says this boy can – something about his ability to accessorize. What is that football thingy that he's holding? It's like one of those popper things. You just poke the deals. Okay. That's what kids play with nowadays. All right. But uh, overall, a, a whaling success? Yeah. Yeah. Good. He, he did say he likes baseball and target field better. Okay. But I think the next time we take new Vikings fan, he'll probably be older. No, now this, I know you got to go. That's interesting that he liked the Twins experience better because the Vikings thing was too loud? Too many, and too many people. Like, okay. I mean, it was, you know, you're like this. Overload. It's just, you know. Yeah. He's never seen a crowd like got that it. before. All right. Well, Gilbert and I are going to the Husker game, uh, and I'm sh hopefully you'll have a question or two about my people watching, uh, considering the state of the Huskers <laughs> right now. Anything can happen at that event. And uh, we'll talk about it next week. All right. Good. That was the short, short version. And there goes Matt Zimmer off into the sunshine of the afternoon. We do appreciate having Gateway Lounge host this podcast every single Tuesday. There's always something cool happening every night of the week, especially when it's a big football night, not just for the NFL on Thursdays and Sunday nights and Monday nights, and of course all day Sunday afternoon when you'll be able to see every single game in the NFL simultaneously at once and an easy view of all of them from anywhere in the bar because that's what sports bars should be. You can also catch Friday night high school football here as well because the Gateway will be showing high school football games of the week from the Metro Conference of Sioux Falls area teams. It is something you can watch on metrosports.tv or dakotanewsnow.com. This week's games of the week, how about number one Jefferson and number two O'Gorman, the game of the year, at least so far, in the highest level of South Dakota high school football. If you can't make it out to Howard Wood Field, watch it on metrosports.tv. Watch it later on demand if you can't watch it live or if you went to the game and want to watch it back, metrosports.tv on demand or dakotanewsnow.com or watch it here and enjoy it with your friends and some awesome food and drinks here at the Gateway Lounge. And speaking of dakotanewsnow.com, that is where you can go and find my pumpkin patch story I referred to at the very beginning of the broadcast. The only bad thing that happened to me was the goat shit getting on my dress pants. Sure, I was complaining about that. Other than that, it was a wonderful experience learning about a literal family farm, a mom-and-pop business, a dude who quit his job as a mechanic uh, to go back to the family farm he grew up on and uh, put together a pumpkin patch for the masses that is also a theme park with stuff like 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll start with uh, gourd launchers, uh, an obstacle course, a petting zoo for kids, uh, an obstacle course. Did I say that already? Zip lines. Uh, it's it's just a really cool place. Uh, Pumpkin Patch is experience for all of our childhoods and, and eternally until the end of time. And it doesn't get much better than the one called Our Farm out in Parker. It's brand new. Parker is just 20 minutes from the west side of Sioux Falls Lake here at the Gateway and only uh, just a half hour, maybe a little more than that, from the east side of Sioux Falls. Our Farm in Parker, South Dakota. Find their Facebook page and enjoy the story on dakotanewsnow.com because I did enjoy going out there well before sunrise this morning to do that story and be on the morning news and get a little goat shit on my pants. I mean, come on. There still are parts of Sioux Falls where you can walk into a place with shit on your pants, right? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, and with that, have a great week. Talk to you next time. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a little round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.